Welcome back to a bevy of bloods for round five of the AFL W 2023 season. The girls were so close, but down to quality competition against Carlton, and we're here to break it all down. So fluff up those tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved bloods. G'day there, Signets and Swanlings. I am Chris, and again, I am joined by none other than Steve-O and Potty. Fuck. <laughs> You're going to have to stop using Potty, I think. I I'm not, I've, I, that's why I didn't write it down. Look, I, know. I didn't write it down on that purpose. I still fucked it. All right, anyway. Signets and Swanlings, I'm Chris, and I am once again joined by Steve-O and Polly. Polly and Steve-O, welcome back. Hello. It's great to be back. Unfortunately, not talking about the win this time, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great to be here. Yep. Again, not the best result, but on we go. On we go. So, look, I've got some great news for everyone out there. We do not have any advertising on this podcast right now. That is awesome, right? So, you want to support us? You want to support your bevy? Hit pause right now, go to your social media of choice and hit a follow. And that's all you got to do. We'll wait. Just hit pause. We'll be here when you come back. It's going to be all sorted. All right. We'll let you give it a time. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Brilliant. So on to the game now. So last Friday, our Sydney Swans were defeated by the Carlton Blues by five points with a final score of 6-8-44 for Carlton and 6-3-39 for Sydney. Polly, first impressions, I'll shoot it over to you. What did you think? Yeah, it's um, this felt like a turning point game in a weird way because I think for a long time, I, actually not a long time, 15 games, <laughs> we were like uh, just happy for them to show up doesn't matter what the result is. And if it gets close, that's amazing. But this one, it was frustrating. It felt like they could have won that. And then you go back to, well, that's good because that means they're playing better. But also, they should have won. And it's, it's hard to just get out of that mindset because you're just so used to thinking like that. So um, it was a cracking game. Like, so good. Great Friday afternoon. Um, but, yeah, just just missed out. Just just didn't get there. Yeah, steve what about you? First impressions? Oh, I'm the same. It was frustrating. Hey, like I was annoyed. I was watching that really annoyed thinking that's a win that we could have had. And and they did. They played really well. And you can totally see the team. And Scott Gowans is, is consistently saying this. And the players are saying, you know, we're getting better. We're getting, and they are. They're getting way better. This is a totally different side than what we had 12 months ago or less. Um, but I wanted to win, you know. And, yeah. and Carlton gave us chances late in the game to get back into it. And, and really, if we had any dreams of finals, that's probably one we would have needed to, to stay in with a sniff too. You know, I think six is probably the number you'd be looking at roughly to get in, six out of ten. And this puts us at two and three instead of three and two with um with some winnable games coming up, but but still all the games are tough as we're seeing we're seeing some quite up and down results across the league at the moment. So every game is really a game that you've got to be at your best to get. Yeah, no doubt. Like it, it, and I totally agree with both of you. I reiterate the same thing. It was a game where you wanted to win it. We had the chance to win it. We didn't win it. And it's it, is it good enough now to just accept that, to be like, okay, cool, we got close, that's awesome. But when you see the chances we missed and the opportunities we had, 
ah, just a little bit off. And even co- uh, cou- Couch, Coach <laughs> Gowans, maybe Couch Gowans. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out. You're not, if you're listening to this podcast, you're not listening because the guy who can who speaks really well. All right, let's be fair. As Polly's laughing her ass. <laughs> Oh anyway. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Gouch, Gouch Gowans. Uh, Gouch Gowans, yeah. Gouch Gowans. Um, look, he said some really – he's been really hard on the players early in the season saying things of, you know, uh, I want to call girls out to tell them they don't have a spot. Like the guy's been quite hardcore. He's trying to tell them, like, this is a competitive year for us. We're going to give it all. And he even he softened a lot at the back of this game. A couple of quotes from him. Um, I was pleased – if you could be pleased after a loss, uh, we're a season and a half in, and I think we've improved a lot. It's just about being patient. Uh, we can't necessarily go bang, bang. And he was referring to, you know, uh, stopping playing and going the other way, rebounding back. Um, so we need to take control of the ball and play our style. So even coach Cowens, Gowens, um, even he was really kind of uh, warm to the fact that he was impressed with the way that they played. Uh Back to Polly and Steve-O, up, over to you. What did you see during the game that you kind of, you were like, okay, that, that's something we could have worked on or something that kind of showed a picture of how competitive we were? Yeah, um, I think the game was neck and neck pretty much up until the third quarter, but it didn't feel like it was. I th- mm. feel it felt like the Swans were kind of behind even though they weren't. I feel like with some of our goals, we got lucky as opposed to... It, I don't want to say deserved, but like the actual effort set seemed to be there and the set play was there. So it, it did feel like we were kind of still making mistakes up until the very last quarter, whereas Carlton seemed a little bit more composed. Mm. Um, and that's probably why they had so many more scoring shots than we did. Um, we got a little bit lucky with them not being able to kick straight, whereas we were pretty dead on. Um, but there were definitely very good spots. Like our midfield, again, was fantastic. The way that they can turn the ball over in the midfield is pretty phenomenal it's just getting into that forward 50 that we're still struggling with yeah steve over to you mate yeah it felt a bit like um, i mean carton's been together for a long time they've they've been in the aflw for i mean the whole the whole run through this is season eight for them this is season two for us um and and i hear what gowan says when you know you're developing a team and trying to develop a game style that's going to take you forward and make you a contender in the future but then there's there's probably a bit of a gap like a bit of a crossover period between having the um the ability and and having put in our pre-seasons especially with a game plan to be able to execute that and win games of football like this one which was a very winnable game but it felt like Carlton were more secure in how they wanted to play. And we were trying to play... I mean, he talks about... You hear him often on the breaks, like at quarter time and half time and stuff. You hear Gowans telling the, the girls, you know, you need to switch lanes. That's our structure. And and they're wanting to play that type of very fast attacking football where they hit up targets in the corridor. They move the ball um, laterally, so it's not so predictable. But then a lot of the time, they're going for those kicks and not hitting them. And, and that's that's something which will take time to come. But it's frustrating for a fan to watch it because we want to win games now. And and I totally get that they're teaching a game style which is going to take us on to good things in the future, hopefully. But right now, I want to see wins, which is which is yeah. selfish maybe. But, yeah. We're not in this just to uh, hang about. We're in this to win it, right? Even Chloe Malloy made massive mention of that as she took on the captaincy and got in front of camera. She's all about being a competitive team and so is Gowans, uh, whoever that is, Coach Cowens. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're, we're not we, – we, we, there's an expectation there, but to even be 15 games into our 
career as AFLW Swans, and to be that close is phenomenal, uh, absolutely phenomenal. So I think if I speak amongst both, speak for both of you, and you tell me if I get it wrong, we're upset, but we're happy. And as yeah. Polly suggested, but we're upset that we're happy because we shouldn't be happy with a loss. Did I wrap yeah. it up well, Polly? Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, cool. It's confused me even, but that's that's the way it is. So <laughs> no worries. Um, did you, over to either one of you, did you see anything else in the game or do you want the flag? Yeah, yeah um, can I point out something that I didn't like? Talk to uh, me. There was a decision probably with five minutes to go to put uh, Lucy McAvoy in our forward 50, our key defender, our captain defender, into the forward 50 to potentially get a goal. There was very little explanation as to why this happened. She did hovel off with a, a, a cramp a little bit earlier in the game, so potentially it was to avoid injury. But the ball was down that end, and I really think they could have used her knowledge and uh captain's brain down there to get the ball out as opposed to having her there to potentially score a goal um i don't know if it was like they think she's on the same par as brooke lachlan and they were like well brooke's injured so let's get her down there i don't know it just felt very weird and when you're that close to winning and you can see something straight away that doesn't seem like what they would normally do it just sticks out as a fan going why have you done this this doesn't this doesn't win games doing things like this and that was quite frustrating is it because both uh, Brooke Lachlan and Lucy McAvoy have black hair, about the same? Yeah, way, they look that the they same. Yeah. Who was his? <laughs> yeah. They like they pointed towards the forward line, and then Lucy <laughs> was, was like, walking. "Okay." It's <laughs> just like I think you got the wrong wrong person. It's like keep walking, no Brooke. Uh, well, I mean, Carlton did do that at the very start of the game. They sent the forwards and the defenders to the wrong end, so right. <laughs> it was, might it have been just kept going on. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, look, it is what it is. It happens. Um, Steve, anything for you, mate? Anything you want to flag up? Uh, there was a couple of things which I, I sort of touched on already with um, just with the way the ball was getting moved around the field. And um, and if you look at some of the raw numbers, like we took way more marks and then we had 78 marks to 51, which is this control of the ball that Scott Gowans is talking about the team wanting to have. Like we want to control the football. Um and they, and they did that a massive more amount of marks, but then that control of the ball wasn't turned over into inside fifties. It wasn't converted into scoring shots. They beat us thirty-eight twenty-seven in inside fifties. They beat us fourteen to nine in the scoring shots. Um, and and when you're watching them move the ball, they will often take that lateral kick, like that sort of sideways-ish kick, to open up space and to and to shift the lanes, as as he talks about constantly. Um, but then Carlton was almost giving them that. At least it looked on the TV like they were giving them that a lot of the time. And then they were just waiting to turn over either when they took the more aggressive inside corridor kick or when they were forced to kick to a more predictable down the line option. And Carlton would just wait and turn it over then and bring it back out. And and that's a decision-making thing too from Swans players. So it's, it's skill errors, but it's also decision-making errors. I mean, skill errors happen in footy. You're under pressure. And so do decision errors. And, and sometimes if that kick's not quite there, then... It's just a matter of holding it and either waiting for another option to present, or sometimes you do just need to boot it 40 metres down the line. You know, it's a territory game. Um, mm. And if we can trap the ball in our forward 50 more, then we can give players like like Privatelli opportunity, which yeah. um, which I think she did very well from what she got, but we didn't get it in there enough. Yeah, to your point there, I think as a lateral movement was happening, you're suggesting there that they kind of gave us that, that possession, let us move out wide. But all they ended up doing is just finding more time to double tag uh, one of the forwards that 
you know, the, the girls can't kick 50, 60 meters, you know, they're going to kick 30, you know. So they just managed to isolate that forward that is most likely going to be running up to the ball and they just double tagged them and always ended up getting to ground and just not really being able to do a whole lot more with it. So, and, and a good team, Steve-O, is going to destroy you there, right? They're going to they're going to recognize this and they're going to shut this down. So I wonder whether Gowans has a, a plan B now that he's proven his point, we can do it and can hold possession with some of the, the decent quality teams in Carlton, um, but then have to like switch it up when we start playing against some of the teams that we should be beating. Otherwise, they'll read that and just you know, own it all day long. So... Uh, I look forward to seeing what we do there. We we do have a couple of great things that come out of this game, and and it's quite noted that this is probably our most competitive game that we've ever played um, in the AFLW. So it's really really exciting. Team of the week actually got uh, Ali Morfitt entered in as the ruck again, and Breck uh, Breck here we go, Beck Privatelli uh, getting with her four goals gets a mention in the team of the week as well. So huge for those two, and at the same time. Rising Star, our own Inner West, Ella Heads. Uh, she got the nod for uh, Rising Star, and we'll talk about her game a little bit later. So really good um, uh, accolades over there for the team. And that's, you know, three of our members uh, recognized for being some of the betters of the competition on the back of that game. So we can't really say, uh, I mean, I think we can take all of that. that that's well-deserving. And I, you know, the, the girls have been out there for long enough, and they deserve everything they get. Um Polly, I'll pass it over to you for favourite moments. Any particular moments in the game that you wanted to point out? Yeah, uh, speaking of Ali, yeah. there was this moment in the third quarter at the very start where she accidentally did a uh, chop, I think, an ch- arm chop against the other Ruckman. And um, basically the Ruckman tried to handball it to someone else and <laughs> went straight into Ali. She took it. Uh, they tried to tackle her. She pushed him off with great ease and kicked it straight to Laura Gardner and Laura went and scored a goal. It was yeah. fantastic. It was everything that basically we've come to expect from Ali. She's just dominant and knows her space and can do things that you just don't see other people doing. She's phenomenal. She keeps getting better every week. How, how, how is that happening? She is amazing. I don't know. And I'm sorry to the Giants for losing her because you're not getting her back at this point. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'd never let her go. Steve-O, what about you, mate? Any favourite moments? Uh, I love... The, there's a couple of goals I liked, actually. Two of them. One was um, one was Gardner's goal, actually. And I just liked it because of the time in the game that it came. Like, we really needed that to stay in touch. And it was a set shot. And she just went back, calm as you like, and just tapped it through. So I really liked the composure in that situation to know the state of the game and just to go back and do it um, from, from Laura Gardner. And I liked the first goal as well. Just the way that it went, it was a very intent type goal. It just, like, uh, Ella Heads, she put the kick in deep, forced a contest, it was a ground ball, and quick Hamilton, Privatelli, and that got us away. And we were sort of looking like we were a little bit reactive in that earlier part of the game, and it was great just to get on the scoreboard and to do it in such a, like, a sort of uh, a forceful way, really. Like, just a long kick contest goal, which was really, really nice. And it, it got Privatelli away too, and she had a day out. Yeah, she had she had a, a steam a game. Um, my my uh, one of my favorite moments, and maybe a little bit mean, but I did enjoy Cynthia Hamilton going out for a big mark and absolutely destroying the ribs of Relato. So I enjoyed that. That was kind of fun. I feel bad for her, like being busted up ribs, but I I like the I, I like the the, the intent um, and the contest that it is, and, and and the girls are getting better and better at it, and some of them are just wild at it. Um, Polly, over to you for any other favourite moments. Yeah, I can't go without mentioning Mark of the Year for uh, 
Beck Privatelli. She yes. had a absolute blinder, like her best game so far as a swan. Um, I thought she was due because she had been looking really good in the previous weeks, but she just wasn't being able to put anything on the board and she had an absolutely massive day out. She took two really good marks. Um, the one that was in the pack was the one that was nominated and I think that was probably because uh, she that doesn't happen very often. You don't really get big packs marks like that in the AFLW. So um, I think that was probably why that one was nominated. But she also took a really good one down the other end of the field, um, basically on the behind post um, and slotted that for a goal too. So yeah, just amazing game from her and doing things that just, again, highlights package. I got just a game full of highlights packages for her. Yeah, beauty. She was amazing. I do have a quick um, miss chances, perhaps, and something that I wouldn't mind asking both of you. Montana Ham, pretty quiet game from her. Um, just a handful of ta- touches. So let's have a quick look. Six touches, uh, two tackles, uh, and a clearance to go with it. Tell me, we know how good she can be. We know she is good, We and we know that she is back from injury. Anything to be concerned about or the way we're using her? Steve, I might start with yourself here, mate. I think I mean, she's coming back from injury, like you said, and um, and we don't really have a reserves comp that we can run her through to get a bit of match fitness back either and get a bit of touch. Um, they do have these occasional, sometimes they'll organise a, like a scratch match for squad players against a team like they have during the season, but you know that's, that's about it. Um, she's probably missed quite a bit of training and she's coming straight back in. I think that if she can just get through, you know, that's, that's probably enough at the moment because... Um, She's had a decent layoff, and she still has an impact. I mean, there were a few times at contests, especially where you could see that she was a bit off the pace, like she she wasn't up to the speed of the match. But I think give her a few more weeks, and, and hopefully that sorts itself out. Yeah, Polly, what about you? How do you feel about it? Yeah, um, obviously, I, maybe it would have been better to rest her another week just to um, make sure she was okay. Obviously, she didn't re-injure herself, which was what we were worried about. But I don't think that there is anyone else in the team that could have come in um, and done better. Like, she didn't have a terrible game just compared to her regular standard. It was probably a bit down. So I'm not mad about her being in the team. I don't think, you know, you drop her because of that game. I think it was totally fine. But, yeah, if there was someone, you know, right there waiting, maybe you do. But I think, you know, there's no one to bring up, so why put her down? No, fair enough, fair enough. I, I, I feel the same. I just uh, looked at numbers and I'm just like, oh, she had a quiet game, but we, we know her quality, we know her talent. It's just probably just a matter of time before she starts shining through again. Um, okay, let's yeah, Low gay time too. So just on her before yeah, I forget. Um, yeah, she only played 52% gay time, I think. So they're working her in slowly. She's half the time off the field. So um, so it's it's certainly something that they're gradually bringing her back. Yeah, not noted. Uh, and uh, that midfield, when she starts going, is going to look even more more frightening. Like, where do you fit her in? Incredible. Um, okay, let's kick into the Bob Medal, which is our equivalent of the Bob Skilton Medal. We give three, two, one points out to the best Swans players. And the 29th of September actually turned out to be International Happy Goose Day. Don't ask me why. I don't what? know either. <laughs> Yes. So what we'll be doing is providing someone, uh, the, the, the points winner, with a goose down queen size doona uh, straight to their house. Good quality stuff. You can't go wrong with geese, geese, gooses. Um, so let's go with three points to Privatelli, two points to Morfitt, 
and one point to Gardner. Polly, I'll pass it over to you for Privatelli. Yeah, obviously I did give her a big rap mm-hmm. a few minutes ago, but I'll talk about it more. So she got four goals, 15 disposals and eight marks. Probably could have got five goals as well. Um, just had an absolute massive day. Huge for her and huge for our forward line as well. I think that, you know, it's great when one player has a big day, but I've been saying for a couple of weeks, so I think our forwards just haven't been pulling their weight. And she really galvanized that forward line. Uh, on the weekend and I think that is something that can't go understated like it's great that she got four goals but I think just her being there and her presence really made a huge difference to the uh, uh, courage and um, confidence of the team yeah beauty said really well deserving of the three points and a goose down Duna, queen size or king size, she can I make the call. I think she'll like that a bit more than an actual goose, so that's good. Well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't like, yeah, I'm afraid of geese. I think they, they fight they, back pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, I think they're much easier to maintain and to control when they're in the form of a Duna. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> Steve-O, mate, I'll let you take it away for two points to Ali Morfit. I'm wondering, what's more fierce, a goose or a swan? I think they're Which both one? pretty nasty, eh? Yeah, swans aren't nice either, are they? They're bloody horrible. Um, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to YouTube right now, goose, <laughs> goose versus swan. Give me a second. Yeah, talk amongst yourselves. I think the, the neck versus swan. I'm going to go, the neck of the swan, I think, gives them an advantage. Like, yeah. whack that thing around. <laughs> okay, someone's kind of worked it out. All right, let's go through this. Swans are larger but have shorter legs. They have Swans have longer curved neck. Uh, and they spend all their time in the water, whereas geese are happy on land. So maybe it depends on location as well, who would win, on the water or on land. Okay. Mm, okay. I'm putting my money on the swan. I'm just putting that down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, back this one. That's it. All right, up the swan. Yep. All right, sorry, Steve-O. Over sorry, here, yeah, I, that's my <laughs> fault. I, I brought that up. That's on me. Um, <laughs> um, um, yeah, the best on ground. Uh, and, and also, I'm privy to tell you too, we were chatting about this beforehand, and there's a tendency, I think, when watching women's footy to compare player stats to, um, to men's stats, and we look at four goals, and that's a good effort, but it's massive. That's four out of six goals, which is, which is an unbelievable effort, really. That's like kicking, I don't know, what, seven or eight or ten in a lot of men's games. Um, so four goals is a massive effort from, from Beck Privatelli, and, and we should salute her. Plus eight marks, 15 touches. Oh, that's a very strong forward game. Um, Ali Morfitt was second, and, yeah, she had another beast week, didn't she? I mean, she she came up against a much stronger um, ruck opponent this week, but she held her own in the hitouts. She was very strong in the hitouts, and she was dominant around the ground. I think she had 25 touches around the ground, bunch of marks, and um, using her her body strength and her tackle pressure really, really well around the stoppages to make sure the ball was getting in the hands of her midfielders. Yeah, she had a, an amazing game, and and yeah, halfway through the season, like we said last week, she's got to be got to be in line for the All Australian ruck at the moment. I reckon. And, and we did have homework to try to find a nickname for her, but I haven't come up with anything. I don't know if either of you two No, It's no, a I very, don't. very hard, big stretch yeah. that we'll it's not even worth me bringing up. So. <laughs> I, did, I did like when uh, um, they did the press release, or the press release, they did the little marketing thing of that awesome um, push that you, you were talking about, the big fend-off. Um, they said you got morphed. I like that. That was cool. Yeah, that was my um, sort of set, like 
potential nickname yeah. was the Power Ranger because of the oh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The Power Ranger. All right. Yeah. It's, got it's a bit It's a bit of a, you know, tedious thread, but I feel like there's potentially <laughs> something there. The most nickname, good nicknames have a bit of a stretch to it. Uh, you know what? The other side, though, the rock battle, they had Jessica Good, Brianne Moody, and they call it Good, uh, was it good Mood. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, I'm so devastated we don't have something like this. Yeah. Gotta, we'll think of everyone. something. We'll think yeah. of something. If someone can come up with a nickname for the McAvoy Zygetti um, duo, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. We're going to sort this out. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's move in on to uh, one point for Laura Gardner, who had an absolutely epic game. I'm just going to run off the numbers quickly. 33 disposals, nine tackles, seven clearances. And on top of those numbers that she continually racks up every single week, you see her presence on the ground. You see the damage she's doing with the ball, without the ball. She is unbelievable. Who th- I did not see her coming in this way. Polly, over to you. Yeah, it's. I think I said it last week. Like she's definitely the number one player that's come from our club this season. Like, there's no doubting it. Now we've had some amazing pickups, but she's just been phenomenal. And I, I don't think anyone rated her highly or in the the light she deserves because she is quite young which is even more amazing because she's only going to get better um she got her first goal as a swan on the weekend which was also incredible so she can do everything and it's it's just yeah she goes from strength to strength and i i don't know i don't know she's like it just she gets better every week and it freaks me out i'm like how how do you still have something in your bag of tricks She's only, like you said, she's young and we picked her up for basically nothing and uh, and she was good enough to come up to Sydney to have a crack at the competition and she's not let up at all. She's absolutely killing it at the moment. So, yeah, I can't, can't be happier for Laura. Uh, Steve-O, do you want to say anything here before we move on to honourable mentions? Oh, just that she has been a, a real find. Hey, when she came over, I had to even look up a bit when she came over this one is just to learn a bit about her. And she's been, yeah, best midfielder this year. And if you think of our three big name signings that came in, her, Chloe Malloy and Lucy McAvoy, she's the least of the three you would probably think would have been dominating in the first half of the year. And she has, she's killed it. Yeah, she is a special talent. She's, yeah, so happy, super happy to have her. And uh, yeah, she's being consistent throughout, which is what you expect of an A grader. Consistent games week in, week out. That's exactly what she's been doing. So she is a superstar. Moving on to honorable mentions. I have a quick one. Uh, Tanya Kennedy, just everything. She just does, seems to do everything. She's putting pressure on. She's running like buggery. She's absolutely everyone in the field. She's tackling. She's getting possessions. She's doing whatever she does. She kicks funny. So she'll sort it out. It's funny the way she holds the ball when she's about to kick. I think it's in, like it's still her obviously coming to grips with the uh, the AFL balls, and they're significantly different to uh, the Gaelic ball. So, um, but she is lightning. I, I I'm an enormous fan, and, and I, I, she's another one of those ones that I would deem to be probably the the biggest sleeper. I did not see her coming at all. Um, to so to see her basically being a fixer in the team and doing everything she does and being uh, dependable is huge. Really, really happy with her. Um, Polly, over to you for any honourable mentions. Yeah, I think um, we have to shout out Ella Heads. Uh, this is, what, her 15th game in the AFL and she <laughs> received a Rising Star nomination, which is phenomenal, which means we've had two this year, which is so exciting. Um, she took 10 marks and there's not a stat there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh 
she was the best in the league in uh, marks in round five. She just was, yeah, really, really good. I uh, Sometimes I forget that she's there, but she just does her job so well that you do forget that she's there in a good way. Like, you don't need to be thinking about it because you just know she's going to do a good job. Um, and she is a Sydney girl originally, so it's even more exciting when you get a local player actually have, like be one of the best. It's got captain material written on her maybe for the future. You never know. Steve-O, over to you, mate. Mm, and yeah, Ella, she's reliable, hey? Like, she's just one of those one of those backs that you think they're going to do the right thing most of the time. And they're the ones you want in the backs. Not everywhere, really, but especially in the backs. Um, I really like Julia Sullivan, the way that she's been. She's, she's along with, with Tanya Kennedy, they're the two of the Irish um, players that we brought in this year that have had the most impact so far. Um, she's been great in the back line. She's settled in really, really well, and she seems to have learned the position quite easily, and she's making good decisions. She's adapted very well to the um, to the football by the look of it as well, the shape of the ball. Um, really, really stoked to see her. That's like a freebie, really, because we got her for nothing. We didn't have to draft her or trade for her or anything, and she's just slotted right in there to the team in a, in a very smooth way. So I'm excited to see what she does for the next half of the year. Did you see her little uh, kick up off the ball, like little Gaelic football touch? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So that so for everyone at home, what what that is, in Gaelic football, they do it predominantly. And I think Ty Canelli might have done it in the AFL um, as well. So to see Julio Sullivan you know, throwing, throwing the roots out. Um, as the ball's bouncing on the ground, it's kind of low to the ground. They'll kind of, with their foot as it's running, they'll kind of just prop it up a little bit higher so they can grab it rather than having to bend down and grab the ball. So she did that all in one motion. And I was like, wow, that's something that's natural to her. And um, yeah, she without without losing a step, she's often running and uh, she's got possession. So yeah, everything's I think basically. generally, quickly, just, just um, across the league, the Irish players have probably been some of the best um mm. the ones that have come over specifically this year there i think there's something to be said about the transition and i think the more teams coming into the future will look over to ireland maybe instead of um australia for draft picks because yeah. they've like across the board been some of the best players in the league um and it's really cool to see that we can bring international talent over Give these girls a, an opportunity to be as close to can you can be to a professional sports star with the kind of chosen sport that they have. So, yeah, big big for the game. Um, any other honourable mentions for either of you two? Um, I like no. Lisa Steen's game. She was really solid. I think maybe it gets overlooked when you've got um, when you've got Laura Gardner getting thirty odd touches every week, but she's been really solid and she was solid again this week. Yep, beauty. Good to call it out. Well, that brings us to the end of the game. So, like, uh, we're going to very quickly, the ladder position, we're sitting on 13th, uh, two wins, three losses at 74%. Um, and the next three games for the Swannies are against teams that we should arguably be having a very competitive game against. And I'd go so far as to suggest that we should be winning them. So, we're going Port Adelaide, who is one and four, uh, Hawthorne, who are also one and four. And the Bulldogs, who are zero and five, although the game against St Kilda, they look pretty damn good. So, <clears throat> so we do have some games ahead of us that we might get up. Polly, Stevo, over to yourselves. How do you feel about the next few games? What are your expectations? Just quietly. Yeah, it's hard because um, I know Port have played some really tough teams. Um, they obviously lost to West Coast, which is a bit of an outlier, but they've already played some tough teams and they didn't not play badly against those teams. So 
it's hard to position yourself just based on the ladder because the teams are playing not how the ladder sits, if that makes sense. Um, you have like your outliers, like your Brisbane's and your North and your Demons, but the mid pack is quite extensive. Um, so, look, if they do lose to any of these teams, I'm not going to be disappointed because I think that like with the West Coast game, the West Coast girls showed up much more uh, dominant than we expected. So, it's not going to be the end of the world if we lose to these bottom teams, but I do think we're in a good position to also win. Does that, does that make sense? A bit, <laughs> bit all over the place, but that's how the, the league sits at the moment. It's a very open league, that's for sure. Steve-O, what about you? How do you, how do you feel about the next few round of games? Uh, like Polly said, it's very even in the middle. Like if we look at the ladder right now, halfway through the season, from 5th all the way down to 10th on the ladder are all sitting on three wins out of five. So that's a huge clump of teams in the middle. And if we look at last year, and last year is the only one, well, last season, there was two seasons last year, but the second of last year's season, season seven, that's the only real example we have of an 18-team comp because that's the first time it happened. So if we look at how it went last year, to get to the finals, to get eighth, you needed six wins and a draw. That got you eighth spot. And ninth was five and five. So there's quite a, a gap between the top handful in terms of the spread of the wins and then the next lot down. Um, and... And we're seeing that again this year is that the top teams tend to win. But then also we've got a very uneven fixture. We've got 18 teams and you play 10 times. So again, you know, we've got all of these teams that are below us. But like Polly said, you know, Port, they've played some good teams. They've, I would say they've played a, they've had a tougher run so far than what we've had. Um, Hawthorne have, have struggled, but still managed to get a win. The Dogs, you know, we're going to play them. They haven't won a single game, but they're not a bad team either. No. And then we finish off with Collingwood and Frio, who are both just ahead of us. But, um, but you know, it's again, we could win them, we could not win them, and there's not that much in it. But if we played against one of the top teams, like um, like your Adelaide, you know, Brisbane, Melbourne, you know, when we played Geelong, I wouldn't expect to get too close to them. But all the other teams from, like, maybe 7th or 8th down, I reckon we're a chance. But they're a chance against us. Hmm. Yeah, and, and look, what's up for grabs here? We're basically looking at if we win, say, four of the next few games, which is asking a lot, but very achievable the way we've seen the team play, we're kind of putting a big push to finals in our second year. Like, that would be phenomenal. And and what we've seen of the team is what we suggested today and what we've been saying multiple times, they have it in them. And, it's, and, and yeah, any, and the, the competition is churning itself up, and that's a good thing. It's, it's yeah. quite a competitive game at the moment. And I think something to remember is I think most of us went into this season thinking if we don't come last, that would be amazing. Yeah. And we've pretty much put ourselves in position now to not come last. So we shouldn't get too bogged down in losses when we've probably already hit the target for what we wanted this year. Yeah, yeah I want to win a game. Well I think we talked in the preview, I'm pretty sure, or roughly what I said was that it'd be nice to yeah not come last and win some games. Even one game would be an improvement. And now we're getting greedy, you know, because they've won two in, <laughs> two in five. So. Two in five and, and one close uh, one. Uh, and and yeah. uh, I even went so far during the preview to uh, suggest I would be wanting to fight for finals. I want an eight to 12. Uh, so we're in the kind of in that space if we get a couple of wins here, but it'd be tough. I mean, if you, if you look yeah. at it, the trouble with such a short season too is that once you don't have wins, it's very hard to make them up in the back half of the season because other teams are also getting chances to win games. And mm. so from two and three, we'd probably need to win four out of five, and even that might not be enough with percentages and stuff to get in. So it'd be a very very tough run, but um, it's such an even comp that you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. 
it's exciting is what it is. It's bloody well exciting. The competition's just been great. It's actually been such a good competition this year. Um, okay, so let's get it stuck into next week's game. It's against Port. As we've said, um, they've are uh, one and four coming in at 14th, so just underneath us, with a loss to Adelaide by 30 points, Brisbane by 50 points, St Kilda by, uh, they won by eight, uh, a loss to Geelong by 28 and a loss to West Coast, as Polly said, by one goal and six. Um, Polly, over to you for any MRO or injuries, anything that came out of the game. Yeah, so Lachlan came off with a leg issue, um, I think midway through the last quarter. Uh, it turned out to be a low-grade MCL injury, which is in the knee. Um, the club have said they're going to test during the week. But usually when they say that, they're not too bad. So I think we probably will see her next week. The other one, which uh, maybe Swans fans are kind of questioning what's happened to her, um, Jennifer Higgins did an ACL during a scratch match against Brisbane two weeks ago. So she hasn't actually had the chance to debut yet. Um, She's one of our Irish girls, but uh, that's the reason. So if you're wondering why you haven't seen her yet, that is why. And it's unfortunate. We hate to see an ACL, but um, that's what's happened to her. Yeah, a few of those hit us uh, for this season at this point. Um, one quick one to mention is Montana Ham uh, did get through the game, as we said, with limited time, but someone unscathed. Um, Gowans was asked uh, at the end of the game, and he says, like, yeah, look, she got through fine. So it seemed like, as Steve-O said, limited game time, we might start releasing her, li- release the Kraken um, soon enough to Montana Ham, that, that animal. Um, okay, with Port, what are we looking at for Port? Um Steve, over to you, mate. Any danger players we need to consider? I think the big one is Erin Phillips, and she was pretty quiet last week. She was, um, like, I think West Coast seemed to do a, a fairly aggressive defensive job against her, kind of the same way that people have been going to Chloe Malloy in Swans games. They they really went after their, their big ball mover. So she was fairly well held last week, and West Coast managed to get the win. Um, I think if we can put some work into her, then we can go a long way to slowing them down because they've got some good players, but you know they're a, they're a new team just like the Swans, so they're um they're still getting their game plan together. They're still learning how to play together as a team, and she's very much an anchor for them um, through the through the like all parts of the field really, but but through the middle of the ground, you know if she can get on top, then she can tear us up, and if we can put a lot of body pressure onto her and not let her get a free run, then I reckon we can. We can go a long way to getting a lot of good ball out of the midfield and and slowing them down. So she'd be the one to target, I reckon. What do you reckon, Polly? Tanya Kennedy to the rescue on the tag? You knew exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like uh, she's probably been one of the best for a very long time, and she's not slowing down anytime soon. So I think most teams know to tag her, but I hope that we do because. Uh, if you think about Port, they're probably our closest in similarity to where we at because we started at the same time, very similar teams. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the go-to. Beauty. Okay. Uh, How do we win uh, this game, steve What do you think? Uh, else consider? And I still think, like, on, on Kennedy, too, you think, what a job, right? It's, um, it's her first season of footy at the top level, full stop, and, and we're already talking about her being a fair matchup, like a good enough run with matchup for literally one of the best multiple sport athletes that Australia has ever had and and we're going to throw her in so that that says the the level that she's already come to which is quite amazing um what are we going to do I'd I'd love to see them just simplify a little bit and I understand that that Gowans has a game plan and he's building a structure and all of this but I'd love to see them sometimes just 
get it forward and play territory, especially when it's when it's late in a game and we're we're ahead. For example, just get it down there. It's it's quite hard in AFLW to bring the ball coast to coast. It doesn't happen that often. And so if, if we can spend more time with the ball in our forward 50, giving forward opportunities to our very, very good forward group, then I think we can put up a bit more of a score and, and try and stop them from taking some of these kind of easy turnovers through the midfield by trying to hit some of these these kicks that might not be quite there. Just um, play play some percentages a bit, I would like, and then and hopefully I can get us a good result. Yeah. Get it going forward, get it surging, get the opportunities to build themselves out out of uh, territory and positioning. Yep. Um, all right, cool. Look, let's get stuck into one last thing. Um, Pride round, it's a little bit of a thing at the moment. Polly, talk to us. AFL continually uh, shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, so last night it broke that... Um because the Swans want to have their Pride round a week before Pride round, similar to what we would do for Indigenous round, where we have it over two rounds. The Swans aren't going to be home for Pride round, so they wanted to do it the week before, as it's meant to be in round 10. Um, the league have come out and said, you are not allowed to paint the 50-metre arc, which is the standard for Pride round, in rainbows, because of no particular reason. <laughs> so they've, okay. they've told them that they can't do it. They haven't said why. Okay. Um, so they haven't said why, which means money. Money, yeah. yeah. Um, look, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus because, again, I don't know the full story. To me, it seems like a sponsorship issue. One of the sponsors don't want to be seen for more than one round with a rainbow flag. But I just don't understand the league's perspective because they have said the girls are allowed to wear their, jer- their, ra- their pride jersey to any game but they're not allowed to paint the field you're talking about the one team that constantly stands up for no matter what (laughs) sorry i should say the one club no matter what the team is constantly standing up for lgbtqi rights but you're not going to let them have a pride game at home we didn't get one last year either so it's just a lack of understanding from the afl for me like know your clubs and think about what your clubs actually want to do. They have a freaking pride game in Mackay. Do you think the people in Mackay are really <laughs> desperate for a pride game? Or do you think the people in Marrickville are desperate for a pride game? It's just not yeah. common sense coming from the league on, uh, on this issue. And to your point there, the Swans are known uh, as being one of the most uh, favorable and most committed to the, to and the movement. And very cool. Yeah, and uh, we've even got the Rainbow Swans headed up by Serena Jackson, uh, the number one ticket holder for last year in the AFL. Um, the, the Swans have committed to it, so this not this is not a Swans issue. This is an AFL issue. That's just yes. they're not coming on board with what maybe what the Swans are suggesting. They're trying to yeah. propel a bit more and doing a bit more than the minimum, and they're not allowing for it. Yeah, and it's it's really disappointing. Um, I don't. I would love all clubs to be treated equally, but you know we are the most membered club, so you're going to get feet through the door, especially mm-hmm. in Marrickville for a Pride game. Why are you thinking about this? Yeah, well said. Steve-O, over to you. Commentary, I know how angry you probably are. Oh, look, it's just another example. I mean, we've had so many with with the AFLW over the years and it's become more obvious to us, I think, because as Swans people, we've started following it more closely now that we have a team that the AFL is just so often so far off the mark when it comes to um, to this football league and it's really, really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, well... 
what we can do is make noise about it. We can um, we can do what we can. Uh, if you are, anyone out there is interested in doing what you can for the swans from an LGBTI plus uh, for the community there, reach out to the Rainbow Swans. They are an organization. You can reach out to them via Facebook, reach out to them through their website, through Instagram, however you want. Um, you, if you want to learn more information about them, we actually did a podcast with Serena Jackson uh, during the season the, on the week of the Pride Round just to get a gauge of what it's all about, what they did and where they came from and what they're looking to do for the future. So a really good um, opportunity for us to get more visibility out to them, whether it be by positive things the AFL has done or negative things for that matter. So go visit the Rainbow Swans, a great organization, get involved. Um, okay, moving on, Steve-O, what the CBA has finally been announced. It's taken some time. The AFLW is involved in this. I will pass it to you for the legal mumbo jumbo. I know your eyes are red raw from reading so much contractual oh, bullshit. I'll tell you what, and and another thing that's really hard to find. We were complaining about this earlier before we started the recording. Is that trying to find anything about the the women's CBA? It's very hard to get anything from the AFL which doesn't just get stuck behind some men's news article or an article about some change in the men's game. It took me so much Googling and searching and controlling around to try and just get these basic bits just through Googling. And that normally shouldn't be too hard, but it's it's really annoying. Well, for example, that piece of news about um, about about the... Um, the oh, what do you call it? No, the um, Jennifer Higgins with her ACL. Oh, yeah. I found that from an Irish local newspaper. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're a bit far behind, so, guys. Yeah, <laughs> so get it together, AFL media, and not just the AFL's media, I mean, like, just the AFL media in general, like, all of them. We want coverage about this competition. It's it's just not good enough. Um, so anyway, so I, I picked through some of the more relevant parts of the, of the collective bargaining agreement negotiations that have gone through. For individual players, I'll start with them. There'll be a 29% pay rise right away, effective immediately for AFLW players, which is positive. Um, they will also have more money, which will go into salaries for AFLW players. There will be uh, more certainty. So there'll be 12-month contracts for players, and they can also sign multi-year contracts, which will be, bring it up to the speed with the men's AFL competition. And what they describe as a world-leading 12-month pregnancy policy, which they don't then explain details of, but they say that it's world-leading. So I guess we, we take them at face yeah, value. Must, must be true, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and probably the bar is not high for it to be world-leading, frankly. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, when you look around. But then in terms of the competition, which we've been asking for more games since it started, really. So the season will increase to 12 rounds in 2025. So next year we'll stay at, at 10 and potentially to 14 rounds in 2027 based on achieving key metrics. That's the AFL words, not mine. Based on achieving key metrics, which again, they don't detail. But that's the situation. We'll have more games in two years and a few more in four years. And then, then we see. That's it. That's where it's at. Yeah, look, I'll quickly just say on the next year we go up to 12 games, as you said, uh, for two years. No, 2025, then, not next year, year after. Oh, 2025, what's the point? Yeah. Why not next year? Anyway. Yeah, good question. Well, yeah. did they go back? Because I, I had heard that it was going to be 11 games next year and then 12 if they meet a certain standard. But okay. maybe they went back on that. I don't mm. know. Yeah, this, think- this is just from their press release. So they could have changed it by then. Who knows? Yeah, look, 14 games by 2027. So... Uh, 
three, four years from now, for four extra games, I'm not that excited about that. I, and with the caveat to being uh, achieving key metrics without them explaining what those key metrics are, it really feels like they're pumping the brakes pretty hard on the AFLW. Polly, what do you think? Yeah, it's really disappointing because if you, you know, 14 games, when you think about how long the men's game runs for, it does seem like a little bit of, you know, you're going to get football fatigue because at the moment with 10 games, the season is finishing December 3rd which is a very, very long time for football to be on the air for, right? If you think about 14 games, it's then four extra weeks. You're going past Christmas at that point. So Jesus Christ, yeah, you're right. They haven't really put said, for one, what the intention, intention is there. Are they planning on starting it earlier? Are they planning on starting it, keeping it going later? What are we doing? Because personally, like I'm, you know, I'm interested, so I'm staying watching. But last season, I kind of lost interest towards the end of the season because I had been watching footy since March. Like it's not a sustainable model. Um, but also, if you think about 14 rounds, that's still not playing each team once. No. So we're saying it's going to be in its, what, 15th year by that point, and they're still not playing each team once. There's something wrong there. Like, it, they, I don't really know what the solution is because I don't particularly love the overlap between the men's and the women's. I think it needs to be its own thing, but there isn't a time in the calendar to do that. So I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, really. Yeah, that's it. And like in other other sports that have women and men on relatively equal pegging, they don't seem to have any trouble having simultaneous competitions running. And the AFL just wants all of this clean air, which is impossible because you can't fit it into the year because you've got summer. It gets too hot. Hmm. Is that, though, sorry, is that because they do play during the week? Like, is the reason the men and the women's in, like, let's say the EPL or um, the NBA, there's weekday games? So there's not the the sort of I need the clear air on the weekend issue? They, they, to be fair to those competitions, but I, I just so I, just. I'm not saying fair. we should play on the weekdays, but I'm just saying is that why they can get away with it? Yeah, look, I, I think yeah, those competitions they play during the week, you know, like the men's and the women's, or play during the week just to kind of sparse it out because they might play two games in you know in eight days or something like that. So there's probably a little bit to that, but then there there is a definite. Uh, lack of uh, space between what we can do between the men's and the women's to make the women's in its own right something, but also support it in the same way uh, and give it the, the just amount. So if we were to kick it off and have the entire have the final season at the same time as the men's final season as we've seen, that's just going to like absolutely wipe out any um, any I guess uh, media or, or yeah any promotion that they might get. So. There's, 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 I think that's the bigger thing to maybe attack, Steve-O. But there's enough, there's enough time still because the men's season is now expanded to 24 rounds from 22 to 23 to 24. They've now got an end of finals bias, so they've chucked in an extra three weeks really mm-hmm. into the men's season in the last five or years, something like that. You could structure the season so that the women's grand final falls in the pre-season, sorry, the pre-finals men's buy, and that's the yep. men, that's the women's grand final, and then just backtrack it seventeen weeks from there and start, I don't know, like around Easter or something, whenever it, whenever it falls, and don't have buy rounds, and then they could focus because um, there's three weeks of, of men's footy where they've only got what two thirds of the teams playing anyway because mm-hmm. they've got buy rounds running, so there, there is schedule time. It's just that they don't. Um, 
they don't seem to want to commit to anything. Like this year, we we got yeah. the steep, we got the fixtures six weeks before the season started. That's a joke. That's a joke. Yep. Like it's it's ridiculous. Think, it's not good enough. Yeah, something that um, to consider as well, which is a, not <laughs> favourable, is that because it, if it was running at the same time, it doesn't solve the issue of there's no marquee time slots. Like the latest a game seems to be at the moment for the women's is five o'clock, and they're constantly going to favour the men being in those time slots, which is fine because it's going to get more people there. But then, like, I have friends that, because they work weekends during the day, they have not been able to go to a single match in the, what is it, 10 games we've had at home now. Like, there's... They need to, like, you know, either have games running at the same time, which is fine, you can do that, but, I don't know, there's... They've not thought about the longevity of this thing that they've started. And it's a real shame because there are so many people that love it, but they're just doing everything to not let it be as good as it can be or not thinking of the ways to make it as good as it can be. And considering how good the competition is getting, like, don't get me wrong, the first couple of years were rough. We knew they were going to be rough. Of course they're going to be rough. You got half, three quarters of the team had not played AFL before or so. But the games these days are excellent. They are competitive. They are contested. The quality is there. Every team has an opportunity to win for the most part anyway. It's a good competition. And they've done all the hard work. They're just failing and finishing it off. Yeah. So it's just frustrating. It's just so it's it's hey, you know, let's throw it back to the Swans game. It's so frustrating because they did everything so well and then did just that little bit of polish to just do that better, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it is what it is. So all right, look, the CBA for the most part sounds like it's in a positive raid. Um, you know, the uh pregnancy policies, um, allowing for the team the girls to be uh multi year deals, um, the extra like thirty odd percent in a pay rise, all of these things are excellent. Taking nothing away from that. But the professionalism and the I guess the organization of the league in itself, much to be desired. There's a lot of room to be had there. Um Back to either of you before we cut off. Any one more things to consider? Yeah, I guess like a positive question from that whole thing is do you think we'll get a gather round from, um, I guess, an AFLW specific gather round from having extra rounds? Because I feel like that would be really fun and something that they could bolster as a marquee thing. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Would you be interested in an oh, AFLW gather round. I'd be so they'd be so dumb not to, honestly. Yeah. That'd be great. Like we saw the success of it. I'm looking for and have it in Sydney. We have the most amount of AFLW members. So why yeah. not have it in Sydney? They were they were almost and about to have the it made sense to actually have the gather round in Sydney that Adelaide did such a good job with it. Fine. Let's have the AFLW over in Sydney and then maybe you'll stop hearing us complain so much. but then yeah like you could have the whole thing at one venue and i think that's the best selling point of having one Hanson park (laughs) i was thinking the scg but (laughs) Hanson park would would also be amazing go off (laughs) go off the thing is we get a bunch of victorians complaining about how hard it is to get Hanson park so yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Victorians are complaining anyway. They've got nothing to complain about. True. <laughs> competition, guys, for the second time around. Do you shut up? 
Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, then, look, uh, that wraps it up for this year, this week. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Once again, if you want to support what we do, make sure to go to whatever social media you use, give us a follow, send us a message, give us a like, all those little things does make a big difference. We appreciate it. Well, we're going to see you all at Adelaide to play Port Adelaide up to Swanee. So until then, up to Bloods and Can, can You Swanee. Swanee. Swanee.